Welcome to The People on K-Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Matthew Timmons. And I'm Ben White. The People features the voices and ideas that make up the cultural landscape of Los Angeles, the West Coast, and beyond on K-Chung, 1630 AM, every third Sunday at 3 PM. Like a broken record, magically repaired. Our guests today are Jennifer Moon and Lindsay Tunkel. I want to have superpowers, you know, and I want to, you know, I want to explore, like, explore space, like in Star Trek The Next Generation. I want people to have an opportunity to have a, to, ha- to look at themselves and look at how they reflect, how they interact with the art and what it means for them, and that's often uncomfortable. Jennifer Moon is an artist, adventurer, and revolutionary, always for the love of continuous expansion for all on this earth and beyond. Her life is propelled by fervent courage, unadulterated love, unfaltering faith, and a refusal to live a life based on any form of fear. Lindsay Tungle's work focuses on concepts such as identity, affect, and fear. By drawing from her own experiences with these themes, she uses video, photography, and live performance to navigate the universality of the human condition. Tunkle graduated from CalArts with a BFA in 2010, and she will start the graduate fine art program at CCA in the fall of 2014. Her work has been shown in the USA, the UK, and in Denmark. In Chinatown, Los Angeles, set your dial to 1630 AM or listen to the live stream at kchungradio.org. That's K-C-H-U-N-G radio.org. You can also find us on iTunes by searching for The People Radio. Please subscribe, rate, and review the show. We're hosted by Insert Blanc Press. Go to insertblancpress.net and click on The People at the top of the page. There you can find out more about the show. Before we get to our conversation with Jennifer Moon and Lindsay Tunkel, let's listen to another installment of Notes from the People. This is an ongoing project where we invite the people, past, present, and future, to self-produce a short segment on a topic of their choosing. In this installment of Notes from the People, we'll hear from Melissa Guerrero, a landscape architect in L.A. working to revitalize the Los Angeles River watershed. Testing. Throughout history, great cities have been founded along great rivers. London has River Thames, Paris has La Seine, New York has the Hudson and East Rivers, just to name a few, Boston has the Charles, and well, Los Angeles is no different, maybe a little different. It's the same in that it's the second largest metropolis in the U.S., and it has its Los Angeles River. Like other great cities, the river was the water source that sustained its founders and the reason it became a mecca of wealth and power. The river was the source of irrigation channels that supported L.A.'s first economic boom as a major wine producer in the 1830s. During the late 1800s, a second economic boom occurred with the discovery of massive oil fields that were likely the result of LA's marshy riverine, yes, that's right, not desert, but marshy landscape that was fed by more than 200 rivers and creeks that shaped the area's ecology for centuries. The oil boom brought on a population explosion that would change the region forever. And that leads us to what's so different about this great river in relationship to this great city, is its highly temporal nature. It isn't always a wide flowing ribbon peppered with ships creating a visual symbol of strength, commerce, and plentiful resources. It's a finicky flirt who reveals its might one day with the flow as voluminous as the Mississippi River and is a reclusive trickle for most days. Its unreliable flow is the reason William Mulholland and his buddies imported water from distant regions to feed this growing city during the early part of the oil boom. 
the river descended in importance and became more of a hindrance to prosperity than its cause. What with all these pesky floods killing more Angelinos than any other natural disaster in history? The 51 miles of the L.A. River and over 400 miles of its tributaries were either channelized or hidden from view in underground tunnels. The L.A. River system was concretized and made controllable and predictable, despite its split personality. Today, this dual nature is part of the reason for international news headlines that constantly ask, does L.A. really have a river? Even Angelinos don't know about their own river, the namesake for their own town. And if they do know about their river, they don't trust it. It must be filthy, that's where homeless people live, that's where stray rabid animals go. In true L.A. fashion, a mythology of misinformation defines the L.A. River. Many government agencies, artists, and advocates have worked tirelessly, thanklessly, to bring L.A. River to popular consciousness, and their efforts are finally paying off 25 years later. Advocates have convinced state and local officials, who in turn have elevated the importance of the river to the highest level of government. President Obama's administration has recognized the L.A. River for its national importance, the Supreme Court accepted the river as a navigable channel and therefore, therefore subject to the Clean Water Act. Most recently, and most widely reported, federal involvement is the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers' $1 billion plan to restore the ecosystem function of 11 miles of the L.A. River. This is the moment that L.A. River advocates have been waiting for. The feds have been convinced that this is a world-class city that deserves investment to revitalize a world-class riverfront. So now what does that mean, that the world is the river's oyster? Tune in next time. This is Melissa Guerrero for The People. Now let's get to our conversation with our guests. Jennifer Moon and Lindsay Tunkle, welcome to The People. Oh, hi. 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 Thanks so much for having us. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for coming, guys. It's a delight. So both of your work uh, deals heavily with issues of emotion and intimacy and vulnerability. So maybe you could start us off by talking about how those things function in your individual work and the crossover between your work. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. It's a good place to start. Uh-huh. So you, do, you you, want, do you want to talk about the work that you have up at The Hammer, the Made in LA show? Um, I could, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Let's start I there. Can, Let's I can, take a play. Okay, I can start there. Um, so yeah, so I have uh, an installation that's part of the Made in LA 2014 show at The Hammer Museum. And... Um, I would say that a lot of it deals, or most of it deals with those three things, the emotion, emotional intimacy and vulnerability, um, each in, yeah. Um, God, this is what, this is, okay, this is the issue with my work. Can I just say, I just have to say this. I just have to say that I saw the X-Men movie last night and I have, like, when I see stuff about like superpowers and I used to really be um very into the X-Men as an undergrad and my friend Alex Sagatti who's part of My Barbarian um he uh he introduced me to the X-Men comics in the early 80s um and the New Mutants and X-Men and I was really involved I really liked I don't know I just got really obsessed with superpowers so when I saw the X-Men I like and after and Lindsay and I, Lindsay and I have been talking about, you know, um, the show and what we're going to talk about, about emotions, kind of um, how it fits into art and how yeah. it fits into conceptual art. Yeah, and are they at odds or how they can work together? Um, 
so when I saw this movie last night, I, I, I started feeling like really um, I want, down on art, I guess, because I feel like sometimes it doesn't like I'm like, what's the point of art? Like, what is it? What is it doing? Um, and I want I'm I want to have superpowers, you know, and I want to, you know, I want to explore, like explore space, like in Star Trek, the next generation. So when I think about that, I think, and then I think about art and I'm like, it seems futile or futile. Which is so interesting because when I look at your art, like I feel like you have superpowers and I feel like I have superpowers. When I look at your art, like it's so... It's so about that, but it's about like the superpowers that we can actually obtain. You know, the superpowers of emotion, of intimacy, of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I mean, empathy is a superpower. Fuck yeah! Yeah. Oh yeah. Can we cuss? Can oh I... yeah, you can go blue. Okay. 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 Yeah. Fuck yes, yeah, it fuck is. Yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. I mean, that's like a really big. That's like one of the like one of the most, at least for me, cherished superpowers is empathy, and that happens for real. Mm. You know, and I think that's kind of where we connect. Mm on an empathic level and the the things that I was attracted to you was I mean I like I like of course your art I, I I love your art but it's it's also like it was something that's that doesn't that was beyond that and it's like I felt like we were like oh god I'm it's like a like, kinship yes a kinship or like we were the same yeah Do yeah you feel that way yeah. is that creepy is that creepy no. Okay. All right. No, it's so rare that you meet someone that you agree with so many things. Like, you'll say something, and I'm like, yes! That's what I've always wanted to say and never known how to say it. Yeah. It's amazing. Okay. Yeah. All right. And so maybe for listeners, you could both describe, like, the, the formal aspects of the work. Like, yeah. Jennifer, I know, like, if anybody who hasn't seen it at Made in L.A., like, you depict yourself as having superpowers like wings or here you take it go for it okay yeah yeah i i I, yeah like having wings and like the 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 giant a diorama it's um it's it's actually a proposal for a final performance this the title of the piece is um proposal for my last performance on earth perspective date 2053 so um around in 1993 around around the same time i made the deal with the cosmic entity which is kind of what the show is around with the segregation of the eros and agape i i decided i'm gonna um fly and so um that would be my last performance and i and the the idea is that if i really believe that i can fly like a hundred percent believe like have no doubt whatsoever in every molecule of my being that I can fly and then maintain that absence of doubt as I travel through space and time, like as even as I jump off the cliff, because I might have no doubt um, right before, but once I jump off, that small bit of doubt can creep in. Um, If I'm able to maintain the absolute absence of doubt, then I'd be able to fly. So I'm thinking it's probably going to take a long time to get to that point um, because I I have a fear. I'm actually afraid of heights, and I don't... um, right now believe fully that I can fly. And uh, so when I'm 80, I'm going to have a raging party atop a snow-capped mountain, and then I'm going to jump either to my death or in flight, hopefully flight. So that's where that comes from. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if I've ever heard that whole story. Oh. I I mean, I, I remember the raging party, and I remember that, but, like, I... I don't know if I, it feels so polarizing in this moment of like, 
like when it comes down to it and I feel like we're presented with those moments a lot they're not that dire but like am I gonna believe or am I not gonna believe you know and like how does that affect the way that you walk through the world which I think has like a lot to do with that stuff around fear that we've been talking about Uh a lot which Uh is like if I'm like if I'm scared that I have bad breath am I gonna like have a self-fulfilling prophecy where like I get so nervous about it that like my mouth is gonna sweat and I'm gonna have bad breath you know like these these really interesting like human things which I think is what a lot of our work talks about like these really simple human experiences that like if everyone's available to be vulnerable they Mm -hmm. will admit like yes I get scared about having bad breath or yes I get scared that I have BO or whatever it is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I think that our work puts it in we put ourselves out there and we're like look at these things that we're scared of and you don't have to be scared because we're all scared and therefore it's not scary you know yeah and Lindsay your work is typically performance based and so you're like exactly like you said you're putting it out, putting it on the line yeah yeah um can you talk about tell us about a couple performances where that is really like yeah pulled to the front yeah yeah I mean I, I have I guess my first performance where I really you know if we want to call it putting it myself out there was I hired like psychoanalysts to a psych two sessions of psychoanalysts to have a session with me in a gallery in front of people, which, yeah, I mean, for me, that's really just a mechanism to talk about vulnerability. It's not that vulnerable, actually, which I find really interesting about. It's not that exciting, but um, I feel like a lot of it is the the act, you know, and then I have this other video series called um, Is This What Feeling Feels Like? And I kind of perform physical manifestations of emotions and I'm kind of questioning what is authentic what is an authentic emotion you know how do we fake emotions how yeah and I was I was thinking like how much do you uh put that on the the viewer because when you're saying like it's not um it's not really that vulnerable it's just like it's it's like the, the it's like the uh what is it the it's um you're playing you're like pre- not pretending, but you're you're. Well, it's you're, a performance. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, a performance yeah. of well, vulnerability. Maybe describe describe what one looks like real quick. Um, the you it, mean the, the yeah the therapy session for yeah. example. Yeah. Um, or the or the videos like with the balloon or both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so the the therapy sessions are literally I've contacted a psychoanalyst. I've asked them to be a part of this. I have a very short conversation with them. Um, you know. I briefly explained to them that I have done therapy before, whatever. Um, I'm not, like, I don't not know nothing about therapy. And would they do this with me, which is often very hard to find someone willing to do that. Um, and then, you know, it's a kind of about why I'm attracted to making work, that, work that's very emotional, why I like kind of putting myself out there. And in that, I, I find that, we have a discussion about that and how it, but both times it's manifested really differently. Um, the audiences have responded very differently both times. Um, how did they respond? Well, the sec, well, so the first time I wasn't, it was the first time. So you don't know what's going to happen. And it was kind of weird because the therapist cut it short by 25 minutes because she felt like we were going too deep. Is that um, the one that I went to? Yeah. At Concord? Yeah. Okay. At uh-huh. Concord Gallery. Too, which is, too deep. You know, 
you mean to like be- emotionally like it was getting to right. like pushing me to a place where maybe it wasn't good for me to be at in front right. of a crowd of people I and mean, we were talking about like dreams that I had had which then kind of got into some conversations about like my childhood abuse and things like that and so she just stopped she's like I think we need to stop now uh-huh. and so uh-huh. also the room was freezing cold it was like huh. like it was like 50 degrees in there and I was like in a strapless dress and I was like shaking ridiculously which was like also weird i felt like it's so interesting because i was there at the performance and i kind of felt that um like i didn't get the sense that it was getting too deep i i got the sense that it was staying too on the surface i agree okay okay is that what she said she said that it felt because i i I thought she stopped because she it felt like it wasn't getting deeper yeah we were not gelling we did not have chemistry it was not but she told me it was because we were getting too deep, but I mean, I, I don't, I can't read her mind of what she really, but some people, see what's interesting is like, I was like, that was the most boring thing ever. I would never want to sit down and watch that for, I'm glad it ended basically. Uh-huh. But then like, I had several people come up to me and be like, that was life changing. And like, I actually had, you know, one person then like constantly emailing me about it and just being like, how did you do that? Like, you're so vulnerable. Like all this stuff, which was like amazing. And But you didn't feel vulnerable. No. See, this is what I, I think is interesting. This is kind of why I was like, uh, art, because of its like, its representational kind of way of being. Like, I feel like, I feel like art is all representation. So then once it gets into that art context, then it becomes like a representation of vulnerability and it ceases to be vulnerable. Yeah. And that's kind of where I get like, you know, then I'm like, art sucks. You know, like, why do we even have to have art? Why don't we just like live? You know, like, what's the point? It's, it's, it's that well, kind of like, it's always a performance. Yeah. Right? But like, if it, like my thought on it is like, if it affects one person, like that person who I ended up like later having a relationship and then like ended up being like, you know, you know, confessing things to me because they felt so comfortable that like I had been so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then like the second time I did it again, similar, I felt it was way more productive and way better of a, of a performance and way more interesting and whatever, but still also boring. Um, But, you know, I also had a person come up to me and be like, that was life-changing, like, blah, 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 blah. And, like, that also then gets into the conversation, which we've had several times now, about, like, should, like, where does art and therapy kind of Oh yes, paths. yes. And because like, we, if I'm helping someone in real life, does that make it not art? Like, right, right. Because <laughs> we've both been accused in school as doing therapy art, yeah, or like you, a PBS P- PBS special, yeah, 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 and therapy, yeah, we are a PBS special, yeah. Art. And yeah. like, where did that? When did that become like a negative Bad thing? Yeah, like yeah. Um, anti art or something, right? It's like like if I'm talking about something real and I'm like not talking about. Like, if my art isn't talking about art, is it bad? You know? Like, I don't know. I feel like I feel like so much of what's considered good conceptual art is just, like, so self-referential and, like... Yeah. Which is... Which, yeah, I think it's... I don't know if it's... Uh, I think also it's difficult... Maybe it's difficult for people to talk... A, it's uncomfortable, right? It's, like, being at that performance with you and the therapist, it, it, you're... Are you expecting that people are uncomfortable? Because I think it creates that... I think it, I think people expect to be uncomfortable, uh-huh. I th- and I think they're let down. Oh, because it's not they're not Cause uncomfortable cause they're enough. They're not that uncomfortable, and because like I haven't you know been like yeah no, you know this fucked up thing happened to me, and my mom was a drug addict, and you okay. know because it doesn't ever get there. But are you wanting them to be uncomfortable? Um, no, but I want people to have an opportunity to have 
a to ha- to look at themselves and look at how they reflect how they interact with the art and what it means for them and that's often uncomfortable uh-huh uh-huh so yes that's it oh, okay go on. You go. oh so in your in your pieces that are like explicitly about emotions whether it's like the crying piece or the um the balloon piece mm-hmm. how is that kind of the same thing because i i mean especially because you said you were talking about conceptual art in a way and i feel like um those pieces are presented in like someone would see that as a more kind of conceptual piece. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and then because of the aesthetic of it is like it, kind of white empty room. Mm-hmm. It's partially just like the look, right? And there's like one prop. I mm-hmm. mean, it's very, very much a conceptual looking. And it is. And yes. it is. And it is. Right. It's definitely conceptual art. Yes. Right. Um, because and, you're. Oh no! Because like you're not feeling that emotion initially. You're trying to create rep, it. Per, like represent. Yeah, create. An emotion or what that emotion looks like like for the crying thing you used um tiger bomb tiger bomb on your eyes yeah. to 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 simulate the tears but you weren't really crying but then at the end you said you were crying yeah when you were crying were you what were you crying was it like because you know there's different types of crying there's like crying yeah. from fear yeah. crying from pain crying, crying from, from sadness crying yeah. from onions or tiger bomb right, right. right. What, which is all the things i want to talk like i want people think like what what what, what is this crying yeah like, what, which <laughs> which one is it and they're all so different but they're all the same they all you know? look the same well, or well they all look the same but i think like i guess i'm interested in how one can lead to another you know like or how they overlap or how maybe they don't or mm-hmm. uh, i mean how? in in the crying one by the end i'm crying from pain and then i'm crying and then i i start crying because i'm like how long should I do this for? It really hurts. Like, but what's going to make the piece look good? <laughs> like, how oh. long do I need to sit here, you know, to make it, you know? And, like, can I make it find my way to the bathroom? Because I literally can't see. Okay. So those were the things that you were thinking about. So you weren't, like, it didn't trigger some, like, no. sadness with, no. uh, like, past trauma or breakup or no. love. In the beginning when I'm trying to cry, I'm like, Everyone's dead. The world's <laughs> <Yeah>. over. <laughs> Nobody's around. You're alone with broken legs. <laughs> like, oh. well, and in and in this way, it seems like because you were creating the representation or the look of the crying or the sadness, or you're activating a, a bio. A, I yes, can't talk. That's what it activating is. a biological process, Response, yeah. right? And that then could lead to something more quote emotional mm-hmm. right unless but, mechanical but you're you're telling us that like that representation creating that representation didn't really so much it didn't make, make... me sad no yeah yeah so that's interesting and all... maybe goes to what jennifer is saying like, yeah but the... there's different ones too though yeah, but it, and it right. may be frustrated right yeah. like and people cry out of frustration yes. all the time so yes. that's i mean that's a that's a jump it's not maybe you're not sad about having your legs broken in the desert but <laughs> you're frustrated about how the piece is going and, and like what you should do about it yeah you know Which, so that, that's what i'm really interested yeah. in in these just because i'm crying it doesn't mean i'm sad you know or that's, that's exactly what i was going to say i was thinking like, oh i have a hierarchy on crying you know mm-hmm. like i wanted you to be sad like that mm-hmm. is the only acceptable form of crying you yeah. know yeah. and when i'm like oh you're just in pain like whatever you know yeah. like you know you know like wuss or something you know like come on just like come on i want to see you put tiger bomb in your eyes hey hey <laughs> hey i would totally be crying but but like but it's interesting that i immediately mm. wanted sadness like right. i want that that's well, you want the, the genuine emotion yeah that's yeah. what i would attribute to being like real tears mm. from mm-hmm. sadness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh well, like in the balloon popping one, I'm 
sincerely surprised every single time. Every time? I pop one of those right. balloons. Every time. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. Every right. time. Okay. And, and that's, and that you're, I mean, you're literally activating the part of your lizard brain that yeah. says that like if something makes a super loud noise and you feel that rush on your face, like you just, you have to react, yeah. you know? Yeah. Because you're a human. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or a small dog. Or small, yes. You know? Whatever, yeah. whatever you goes, are. Goes, goes for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what is hard for me to actually talk about about that work is each one is different in its own way. Each one is talking about kind of a different aspect of feeling and creating feeling or faking feeling or, you know, like with the one where I'm singing Whitney Houston, I will always love you and dunking my head. It's about love, but it's, I'm not feeling love. I'm feeling exhaustion. I'm feeling like... I'm drowning myself drowning. over right. and over again, you know. Which maybe is the actual subtext of that song. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. 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 I've, yeah. Seen, I've seen the bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> What's really funny is when I was about to make that piece, I was like, is this really bad because she died in a bathtub? <laughs> and, oh, I oh, and I was no. almost didn't do that piece. Oh, because of that. that song. Yeah, because I was like, everyone's going to think I'm making a comment on... Oh, like drug I did not even. I did not even think about that. It does make it more sad. That one. That piece is actually the most linked to what I would expect in terms of love mm-hmm. and like that kind of drowning feeling that Matt was talking mm-hmm. about. You know, mm-hmm. um, but like for example, like the laughter one, which I just told you about. Oh no! Wait, the smile. Those the, the smiling. Oh, the smiling. Yeah, one. the laughter okay. one's not on there. Right, right, right. Yeah, the smiling one. What yeah. were you thinking about when you were doing that? Faking, being happy. Give us a rundown on exactly what it looked like. So I'm just, I, it's like, I don't know, maybe between six and eight minutes. I can't remember. I'm just looking at the camera and I'm smiling and my smile starts to do weird things to my face because it's, was actually the fourth take and I'd been doing it for like an hour. (laughs) So, you know, I just start to look really contorted and weird. (laughs) Um, I'm feeling, finding myself smiling. You can hear it through the microphone. Smile. Oh, shut up. <laughs> Smiling. Oh, do I? Oh, I was gonna say something really racist, but I'm not gonna say that. Yeah, you can hold off on that. <laughs> we let a lot of can things edit, go on this can, show, can we but edit that out? <laughs> we sort of draw the line at racism. That's, yeah, yeah. that's awful. That's limits. just our show. You know? <laughs> um, Curse all you want. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, wait. Like, you know how you said that the, the the different pieces, how it's it all has different. It, it's yeah, yeah. Is that do you think that makes it more uh, like is the cohesiveness important to you, or does that make it more expansive, or does that actually make it more less like more confusing, or or less effective, or? And, well, they're like experiments to me. Mm-hmm. So it's you know that I don't necessarily. No, I don't have an expectation of them. I think that they, like, what groups them together is that they're all these little experiments, and that's enough for me, I think. Okay. And that they, I like that they examine multiple things and look at it mm-hmm. in all different ways. Mm-hmm. How often do you think about the viewer when you make, you do when perform- I, always, always, right? Always. And do you have a specific um, idea of what, like, the ideal um, response to your work would be? Do you mean like laughter or not liking or like what kind of like? Yeah, I mean, like what would what would the ideal like if someone's seeing a piece? What ideally would would you want them to leave with or to do with that? Why don't you think about it for a while? Thank We're going to take a little break Great. and then we'll come back Great. and we'll hear your precise and articulate answer to that question. That's super helpful. Thank you. So Lindsay, you brought an audio piece you wanted to play for us over during the break here. So. 
Um, can you tell us about it? Yeah, it's it's actually just, it's kind of like a trailer for an artist named Andy Holden. It's like a trailer for his work. Um, and I just, it, I was like Googling like conceptual art versus emotional art and irony and sincerity and where all those things fit in. And I just came across this little audio video. And it's What's the name of it? Yeah. It's Maximum Irony. Maximum Irony, Maximum sin- Sincerity from 1999 to 2003 towards a unified theory of MIMS. Andy Holden. Well, let's give it a listen. It's my tagline. I know you really want me. I know you really want me. So come on home. Come on home. Come on home. personal prolonged endeavour to try and communicate something you know can't be communicated. Yes, this is the structural theme. So sincerity describes an object which does not aim to deceive. Trying to say to the audience, you know, as much as we do. How do we make sense of that? Thanks for the time and I will hold on to what I've heard and when I see it again I say yes. Welcome back to The People on Kei Chung, 1630 AM. I'm Matthew Timmons. And I'm Ben White. If you're in Chinatown, Los Angeles, you can listen to The People by setting your dial to 1630 AM or listen to live stream at keichungradio.org. That's K-C-H-U-N-G radio.org. You can also find us on iTunes by searching for The People Radio. Please subscribe, rate, and review us. We're hosted by Insert Blanc Press, so go to insertblancpress.net and click on The People at the top of the page to find out more. Okay, so we're going to return to our conversation with Jennifer Moon and Lindsay Tunkel. So, Lindsay, you want to answer that hey, question? Can you repeat the question? Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, the question uh, was, oh, what do you... What do you want the viewer to leave with after they experience one of your pieces, either the video or the performance? Or do you have, maybe you don't have a, any kind of Well, I think reference. that with certain pieces it varies, but I, I think that if we're talking about these videos where I enact these physical manifestations of emotions, I want the viewer to be able to place themselves in the work somehow to have a you know a reflexive you know what does it look like when I feel mm-hmm. what does it look like when I watch someone else feel mm-hmm. am I present for that am I available for that mm-hmm. what is what's interesting is you mentioned that people a lot of people laugh when they watch those videos mm-hmm. why do you think that is well people either laugh or they're disturbed those are like I would say 95 percent of the people it's one of those two responses mm-hmm. Um, has has someone had a similar response with the, the therapy performances where they're like, oh my God, that totally like shifted something inside of me and changed my life? 
with the with the with the video pieces. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No one said that to me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but people seem to really like like them. Uh-huh. Whereas, like with the psychoanalyst pieces. They seem really bored. Okay. But that's interesting that you said that they like them, but you said 90% or 92%, some weird It's percentage. like 95% are either or 95%. laughing or disturbed. Yeah. But is that liking it? Well, no. I think that people are like, maybe li- liking it is a terrible word. Who, li- I mean, I don't. It's terrible. Are they engaged? They're engaged. They're, right. Yeah. Very engaged and appreciating it and huh. like invested in it and like willing to watch, you know, sometimes the whole 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm yeah. Mm-hmm. So Jennifer... How about you? What What do you want people to? Oh, yeah. What What well, do you and, want? And specifically, like the the piece you put together for Made in LA at the Hammer, Made in LA 2014, like that assemblage of you've got a you've got the egg diorama piece, which is a fairly large piece, and then the book and the and the chart, the chart, you, maybe chart. maybe take a take a minute. Uh, to just describe, like, describe the chart, like, what's happening, like, what it looks like, what's on it. Okay. And then, and maybe the book, too, because that's yeah. a cool thing. Okay. So the chart is called The Formula. And um, so four years ago, I started, I had, a, like, this obsessive crush on this girl named Jackie. Um, and so funny, she's, like, public domain now. Um, and uh, she, um, I hope she never sees the show. Anyways, okay. Um, so I, 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 really wanted her to be my girlfriend so I was I often wondered like if I fantasized that I would have something or like fantasize like have elaborate fantasies of you know what what would like me and Jackie together and the things that we would do would that um prevent it from coming true or would it actually help it to come true um there is like a, a there is a kind of like a new agey kind of idea that if you visualize um the secret yeah the secret yes yeah. the secret and all other methods of visualization yeah manifestation yeah. yeah if you met yeah. if i if i believe in it and like and, and it can I see it's in my, true yeah i can i can i can i can see it in my mind's eye maybe i make a what's what the vision board about vision it board. um then i will it'll manifest into my life um so i was what it's kind of like like that like wondering it like trying to figure out a formula to see if that's true. Um, and so I, I documented my desires and the fantasies that I would have in relation to certain events that I thought would happen. Like if, like I, I, I kind of went to this, 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 this meeting that she went to. And um, so I would, I, I would kind of document like if I had a fantasy, like maybe like I had a fantasy, like we would start talking and she would invite me to dinner and then, you know, and then we'd like make out or something. Um, and then I, and then I record what actually happened. And, um, it turned out that every, like whenever I had really, um, elaborate fantasies of what might happen, it turned out almost the opposite. And then when I feared that like often I would I had this thing that I would fear of stalking her because I was stalking her, um, that like she would, you know, be mean to me or something and be like, what, what are you doing here? Are you stalking me? And then when I had those fears, like, like things would turn out well. And so Mm -hmm. then I, then I started getting upset that, um, I couldn't fantasize. Like I had to repress my fantasies and I was like, this is fucked up. Why do I have, you know, like what, whoever's in control of, you know, what, what materializes in reality 
is not letting me fantasize. It was like punishing me. And then I was like, this is fucked up. Like I should be able to fantasize as much as I want and get the girl. Um, so I went through like, you know, that kind of phase. Um, but this is ultimately what I learned. I learned that when I really, when I really, really wanted something like Jackie, it was not really Jackie that I wanted. It was, you know, it was was what she represented. And so, and it was coming from a place of like, I'm not enough. And so if I have Jackie, then I would be enough. I would be whole. I would be, you know, I would be uh, pretty enough. I would be lovable. I would be whatever the thing that, you know, I thought that like if I got her would, you know, me. Validate. Yeah. Validation. Yes, yes, yes. And then, so it also goes into, and then it was like, is it the same with Eros and Agape? So, um, so I, I also documented like when I applied for grants and like, like I made a prediction for the Moen award. Um, like I had a fantasy that I, I won both awards, the, the Moen award and the public recognition award. And that, but, but I, this was like an ongoing fantasy. I had a fantasy about this for like a few weeks, but then I would, I would give the public recognition award to the second runner up because I didn't want to be greedy, you know, even though like I had fantasies that I would use that to create like the revolution, like a uh, fellowship. Um, so <laughs> I, th- I thought when, I mean, when I looked at that chart and I saw mm-hmm. that part at the very end, that was like the most like beautiful part to me. Cause it like had to do with like that moment, you know, it was like, I can understand that because she's, in this show, and she's being she's talking about this show. There was something so current about that, you know, that was so vulnerable, and so and like it was like, yes, like you are saying something that like most people would never fucking say. Yeah, it was. They would be like, no, I am not gonna no. Like it was totally embarrassing, actually. Like I didn't really <laughs> want to. Like I, I had seventy pages of, of of like documentation that I edited down to thirty pages to mm-hmm. to make that chart, and like some of this stuff was super. Like, I, it's, like, embarrassing. I don't want to, like, I tell people that I fantasize and win both prizes. Like, that seems, like, really, like, I don't know, like. So normal, though. I would totally fantasize yeah, about winning I don't all think, the prizes. I don't think anyone would look at that and be like, and be like, oh, that's weird. Like, everyone does that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But people don't want to admit that they do it. Or. Don't they? Do they? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, would. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> But it's, yeah, it's, it was interesting to see like the things that I was like shameful about, you know, um, mm-hmm. and like some of the fantasies that I had with Jackie. Like I remember um, Michael, who I, I reference often in my radio show, Adventures Within, which is um, also on K Chung, that uh, when I was going through, I, w- I was in a process group that he facilitated and I would talk about Jackie and like how I was going to get her and she was going to be my girlfriend. And he was like, you know, you're like. 10 steps down from those guys who lure women into their van and are never seen again. And I was like, at first I was kind of like, thought it was like funny and like, yeah, that is who I am. And I kind of like, I was like proud or something. I don't know what it was. But then like a few weeks later, I was like, oh, I was like, oh my God, I am like that. And then when I was doing this, this chart and same with the book, I started like, I had these like, I was like, oh, I'm really gross. Like, especially with the book of Eros, like the, just like just so how needy I was and how badly I would like want whoever you know the person that I obsessed over um and then I started thinking like I was like and I started because it was around the time about like the the Santa the Santa Barbara shooting with that guy Mm -hmm. I don't I haven't read any of his manifestos or read any details but I kept thinking like I was like him you know like the degree of delusion 
Um, because I would have like, I would be make statements like she's going to be mine and she's going to, you know, like I'm going to, we're going to make out, you know, I'm going to, she's, she's going to come over, we're going to do this photo shoot and then I'm going to seduce her and like, you know, and just not, no regard for, for her feelings or anything. It was just like me, I want, I'm going to have her. And I was like, oh, this and must it be. dehumanized her in a way. Yes. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I was like, oh, I'm like that guy. Um. In some, you're I don't not know like if you're guy. like that well, guy. I don't. I don't. I don't like it it like might that. be a little weird and a borderline stalky, but you're not like that. <laughs> yeah. People yeah. always say that, but yeah. but the thing is, like, then I started realizing, like, that this is the key toward, and this is really what I want from people is like the connection, mm. like me finding similar instead of like demonizing that guy and like, oh, he, he like, what's wrong, like all the things that are wrong with him. It's like, how am I similar? Because mm-hmm. that's really how change and transformation occur. Mm-hmm. Like if I, cause really all he really uh, probably wanted was love, you know? And like, how can I connect with someone like, I was going to say someone like that, but that sounds really, really bad. But like, you know, someone who um, seems very other, you know, or mm-hmm. like, like impossible that I could be, um, and finding a connection so that that we can be to include like it's 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 all about inclusiveness. And the book the book of Eros is it it's kind of like a a compendium of lovers you've had or crushes you've had on people. Mm-hmm. So it's it's there's even a there's a lot of other. Well, tell us about the book. Okay, it, how does it? Yeah. So the book is yeah it's a it's a it's a it's a chronological compendium of all the people I've ever had obsessed obsessed over had a crush on had sex with tried to have sex with and made out with since 1993, which is when I made this deal with this cosmic entity, which I called Bob. I don't usually say that because it sound it makes it sound ridiculous. Not that it's not, but like uh, <laughs> but it seemed very it seemed very real at. Like, it really felt like I was giving out, there was a cosmic entity that I was making a deal with and that I would, I would forfeit, I was like, just take, I won't have sex. I won't enter any, and enter any romantic relationships if you give me like a successful art career. That's like, the, it was 20 years old. That's what I wanted. The reason I did that is because I didn't like who I became when I was in either, um, in a relationship or, um, obsessed over someone. And since then, I have never been able to have both at the same time. And so I, I, I really felt like I, I cursed myself with that. So the book, yeah, so the book, book uh, from that deal on to 2013, um, it's, it's all the people. And it's a large, like, hand-bound book. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like just a little printed object or i mean no, it's, it's a one-of-a-kind beautiful a, thing yeah right? yeah it's literally yeah. a one edition of one yes yeah. yeah and it's modeled off of off of like the book of shadows the charmed book of shadows i was really into charmed i i, I really love charmed so it's like that and it's also referencing the D monster manual um so all the people are called poise um person of interest and they each get a page and a lore, but the lore is written in the elven language of Tanguar because I don't, I didn't want it to be about the other person. It's really not about the other person. It's about like my relation, like my beliefs and my behavior towards the other person. So like all the gory stuff is in the lore, but you can't read it unless you know Tanguar. Um, and then there's like the statistics block, which is which is in the monster manual, and it and it kind of scores them. Um, 
based on like you know there's like levels and this is a classic sort of role-playing game especially D &D specifically where it lists the attributes of a character Mm -hmm. right like strength agility charisma Uh and then gives them like points Points. yes yes yeah and and like yeah yeah hit points um but in yours experience points it was okay so i had is based on obsession and love so the ability scores are the 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 charisma the i forget there's six of them um, but I so the the top scores are the carnal modes, which are which is forking, um, doming, and cupcaking. So and there's a glossary, and so basically it's I didn't want to be like oh we fucked or like we you know I sucked his dick or something. So I I and plus I didn't I so so forking is basically like fucking, doming is oral oral kind of sex, and then cupcaking is um uh uh like uh, like making out. I learned that term in prison. Huh. It's like, you know, like cuddling That's or making out. Term. Yes. Cupcaking. Cupcaking. Isn't it so it's nice. it's very sweet? It's sweet. Yes. Yeah. It's so yeah. cute. I love yeah. that term. So Like cupcake. what you would do with a cupcake, just sort of mush it into your face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and cuddle it, love it, adore it, yeah. stroke it. No. So, so that's the top ability scores. And then the bottom three is like it scores my level of obsession, my degree of humiliation. And my art production in relation to the person, and then it also has things like alignment. Usually in D and D, it's like you know, like uh, uh, what is it? Neutral, um, evil, and good. And then with that, there's like you can do chaotic evil or lawful evil or neutral evil. Um, so, it, and it, but it, I did like my drug alignment, um, which I, I should, maybe I should say like the person. Okay, it says alignment. It might say like like heroin and weed but it's not necessarily it's my drug alignment it doesn't mean that the poi also um was on heroin too i feel like i have to say that because i i don't want like people to think that like i don't know like charlie ray was on heroin or something when i had a question which is funny i just saw i ran into him on wednesday (laughs) i was like oh hey charlie was he super high was he high (laughs) (laughs) he's an adorable old man Oh, I was obsessed with him. So obsessed for three years. It was really bad. Um, and actually, a lot of people, I didn't tell people they were in the book. Um, uh, but everyone so far who has who I've told um, since then is okay with it. Um, and I think it's because they, they know that it's really not about, about them. What, why did we talk about this? <laughs> oh, because we're talking about yeah. your Yeah, and so wait, I'm, wait, wait. We have oh. to go back to the question because Jennifer has to right. answer the question now. So all that. I have another question. Too. Oh, I'm sorry, but no, but, no, no. it's but yours. What is, what is the audience supposed to come away with? Well, but yeah. Maybe... What do you want the audience to come away with? Let's okay. Do. Ultimately, I this is okay. Ultimately, with my work, I want people to want superpowers too. Basically, you know, like I. Really, what I want is I really want revolution. I really want like serious revolution where people are are willing to give up what they know, you know, basically like a death of self, so that we together can become something that we can't imagine. Because it has to happen together. Like I can't do it on my own. Like I can't, I can't like explore space on my own. You know, like I can't, you know, achieve these the this this kind of super way of being on my own. Oh, maybe to a certain degree, but then there's a limit. You know, the more people, the more expansive that I get, and the more inclusive it is, the more that we can achieve. So I, I so when I do things like like the Book of Arrows and the formula. It is a, a way to hopefully 
get to encourage the viewer to do a similar thing because I feel like in order to get to this state there has to be a certain clearing away um, a certain like adventuring within and a real a, 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 like a hyper self-awareness mm-hmm. um, to kind of like shed away these things these beliefs it's basically a shedding of beliefs a shedding of beliefs so that we all connect on a very uh, on a heart level or an empathic level and then from there, like, I want impossible things to happen. That's what I want, you know? And I feel, like, so dissatisfied with, like, I don't know, like, especially, I mean, I go through uh, phases, but, like, after seeing the X-Men, I'm like, and, and it's like the Sentinels are representative of the repression that we inflict on ourselves, you know? So, like, we got, we. it's time to, you know, it's time to really kind of buck up or something, you know? Like, come on! It's time to battle our own sentinels so that we can like really achieve things that we can't imagine. That's what I want. Good answer. What was the other question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I get, well, no, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to go with a different question. Like when I, when I like hear you speak like that and then I look at your art and, and, and then like I have this thing of like, how do I do that too? Like how, as someone who's viewing your art, like, do I need to make a book of arrows? Like, do I need to gallop through the clouds on a horse? Like, how yes. do I do that with you? Yes. That's how I do it. Like, I just, I have, I do what you do. Okay. That's okay. This, okay. This is a part. Yes. Okay. This is where it gets complicated because I've been accused of being a fascist and, um, <laughs> this, because it's like my way, you know, how do I give, mm. uh, the, the, uh, how do I give other people make them feel like it's they're doing it you know like it's something that they're doing and it feels very special and unique to them it's not like they're following their to allow them to do it yes, not yes. to make them oh think god i know you i when you were saying yes when i was saying that i was like oh damn i'm using the wrong word <laughs> like, oh god this is i struggle with that though we know I mean, what you mean okay yeah. okay but yeah. thank you for you that want, you want people to you want to allow people or or empower people empower to make the same sort of emotional journey not necessarily exactly like you're doing it or maybe exactly like you're doing it but it doesn't have to however be. works yeah. for them right. yeah. yeah yeah right so that we can connect and I, I say this often on my radio show is like we often are having relationships with beliefs you know like my belief of myself and my belief of Lindsay is having a belief of what is having a relationship with her belief of herself and her belief of me so I mm-hmm. often envision like us walking around like zombies like well that's that that this thing yeah that yeah yeah. Thing. yeah yeah and like and so like are we really con- do we really do i really see you like who are you oh yeah then it gets into like who am i and what is I this like- thing that you're gesturing at oh oh it's it's this well, you, you where is this from i'm reading um the book immortality by milan kundera and there there's just this whole i was just reading this whole because we've been talking a lot about like what is our image and are, is there ever a moment when we're completely authentic? Like even if you're alone, are you being authentic? Mm-hmm. You know how maybe people will say something like when you're with that person, you're acting differently than, you know, and that kind of thing and what that means. And, and this, I just read this passage in the book that was just like, we are only image basically. Like there's no, there's no self. It, it says something about here, how the self is something that you can't like really grasp. It's something that's, um, what is it? I can't find it. I'd have to read it. But, Unlo- but unlocatable, perhaps. Yeah, and and, and yes, unlocatable, mm-hmm. and it's always that way. And so, therefore, like, really, it's just 
it's like the what we see with our eyes kind of thing. Sure. Right. right. Yeah. Which is a very postmodern idea and an idea that it's a true. lot of conceptual artists and otherwise are dealing with in in their work and have been dealing with in their work for for years, for 50, 50, 50, sure, let's say 50 years, <laughs> a long time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I don't, I don't really see a discrepancy between the, the critical discourses that you're, both of you, are trying to create and, and art, you know, but you do mm. still have this sort of, uh, Jennifer especially, like has this animosity toward art making, but you're, but you're doing it. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, would, I would like to say, I don't have an animosity towards art making. I love, Sorry, I retract that. I love <laughs> art <Jennifer>. making. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like conceptual art. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. throw you in that batch. No, no, no. But, but I understand what you're saying. Because Yeah, I, I understand what Jennifer is saying right. as well. And I've had moments of that animosity. Uh-huh. And, and I think that that... We also talked about that sometimes that animosity, at least for me, comes from like, maybe I don't get it. Yeah. You know, like maybe it's going over my head and it's frustrating me. And then I'm like, this is stupid. Right. Or I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I don't get it. So I'm going to project all over that, you know, whatever it is. It has a different feeling to it. I don't know. Like sometimes like when, like I don't, I'm not really fond of, like when I look at work, I feel like I'm getting into very dangerous territory here, mm, but like mm-hmm. um, w- when it feels like it's caving in or like it, it doesn't have, it's not going anywhere but where it is. Yes. Self-referential. Yes. yes. That's what, yeah. Right. yeah. And, and so I struggle with that. And then, and I do do, it's so funny that I have this dichotomy because I so, uh, a lot of times I'm like, dichotomy is bad, you know, and it's about like uh, existing outside of that. But yet I hold on to these dichotomies like the Eros versus the Agape mm like the the emotion you know emotional art versus conceptual art you know and like what does that you know why do i do that uh, you know well we'll all think about it but we are out of time oh so okay. Lindsay wow. Tunkel and jennifer moon thank you for joining us on the people thank you guys thank you so both. thank you yeah. Thanks. that was wonderful yeah it was great you've been listening to the people on k chung 1630 a.m our theme music as always is octave by lewis keller You can find us on iTunes by searching for The People Radio. Please take the time to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Or you can go to insertblancpress.net and click on The People at the top of the page. We're going to go out with a track by Jennifer Moon from the soundtrack to the musical documentary movie 50 Weeks. The song was written by Malik Gaines based on texts of Jennifer Moon, and the song is called Let Go, A Live Utopian Ballad. stay